Our scripture lesson this morning comes out of another passage of scripture which isn't one we often read or quote. comes out of Jeremiah's book called Lamentations. If you find Jeremiah, which is a little longer, it just follows. Let me read to you from Jeremiah chapter 3, three verses, beginning with verse 22. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Let's pray. Lord, we pray your blessing upon your word. As it leaves my mouth and we hear, let the words we hear, Lord, be your words. Let everything we receive, Lord, be from your hand. May your Holy Spirit move among us and be our teacher, our convictor. Transform us, O God. Change us. Change us just a little bit more into your image. For it is in your name we pray. Amen. I guess we all know a little bit about what a lament is. We do it a lot. We just don't call it that. We lament. It's an expression of sorrow. and It's an expression of grief, sadness, usually with an underlying sense of regret. Maybe it's something we did or didn't do, or that something has happened and we wish that it hadn't happened. Well, after the fall of, of Jerusalem, way back there, when Jerusalem fell to the Babylonians and the prophet Jeremiah wrote this book called Lamentations. See, Jeremiah was there. Jeremiah was during, there during all the, the destruction and all the siege of Jerusalem that led up to its fall. And so he writes this little book, five poems, five laments, if you would, where he lifted up not how bad things were in, in every sense, but how good God was. He, he lifted up God's sovereignty in the midst of, of unbelievable pain and disaster. As a whole, the people of Judah had turned away from God, and we read that in the Old Testament over and over again, king after king after king almost. They were living ungodly lives. They were following after other gods. And now that doesn't mean they were, you know, playing cards and shooting pool and skipping Sunday school. No, no, no. This was, this was the real stuff. This was the real stuff. They were, they were shedding innocent blood. They had become a society that was decadent. There was immorality everywhere. 
unholy alliances with, with foreign nations. They honored false prophets who refused to call for any accountability among themselves. They mocked and, and they scorned the true prophets like Jeremiah for preaching the true word of God. Everything was a mess. From the religious to the political, finally God says enough. Now those are words we, we don't ever want to hear. Just imagine the world you and I live in. Just imagine how much it looks like that world. And the last thing we want to hear is for God to say, enough. This was a disaster. A disaster. God withdrew His protective covering, covering over, over Jerusalem and over the people of Judah. And the unthinkable happened. The city was destroyed. Destroyed. The city that couldn't be destroyed was destroyed. The city in the temple, the temple which in their mind could never ever be destroyed because it was the house of God, was wiped away. And the people were taken captive, many of them. And that's when Jeremiah sits down and writes. It's important to know this backstory because it gives, it gives the text so much more impact. It helps us to really understand what, what Jeremiah was feeling and what God was saying through him. And it's important to understand that the lives of the people of Judah had, had come to ruin by their own sin, by their own design, in spite of repeated warning after warning after warning. It does remind me of the world we live in. How about you? I see people every day who make a mess of their lives through foolish decisions, ridiculous decisions, rebellious decisions, selfish decisions, sinful decisions. They do wrong, they know it's wrong, and they do it anyway. And it isn't always they. Our culture is largely given up on God. I mean, we pretty much mostly acknowledge that there is a God, but God's irrelevant. He doesn't really matter. He's not going to do anything. He never has done anything. Truth? Well, not God. Truth is in our own life. It's what we think it is. Increasingly, God has nothing to say about our health or about our relationships or about our job, the normal things of life, the workplaces, about our finances, our families. Increasingly, He has little to say even about our spiritual life. That's what happens when we deliberately walk away from God. And certainly we've done that as a country and in many ways as individuals. And while I don't like to think about it, there will be consequences because God is not mocked. There will be a day of reckoning. There will be a day when when God brings a judgment 
we're not talking particularly about Armageddon. We're not talking about the end times. We're talking about the middle times here, even. Somewhat scary thought. What this lamentation is about, what this book is about, though, is that in spite of that, in spite of the fact that their destruction was their own fault, their own sin, God, while allowing disaster to come because He is a holy God, and as I said, He cannot be mocked, He still continued to extend His mercy because He still loved His people. Even as Jeremiah was lamenting, God was trying to get the people of Judah to understand that even though they had defiled him, even though they had turned their back on him now for generations, he wasn't through with them. Even though their rebellion had brought about the destruction of Jerusalem and their very lives, he still wasn't through with them. The candle had not burned out, the door had not been closed. God was redeeming his, his people through this disaster, still loving them, still caring for them, even though the pain was almost unbearable. Listen, listen to the words of Jeremiah that are, that, are, that are translated through the message. I'm going to read verse 19. I'll never forget the trouble, the utter lostness, the taste of ashes, the poison I've swallowed. This is, I will remember it all. Oh, how well I remember the feeling of hitting the bottom. This is Jeremiah speaking. But there's one other thing I remember. And remembering, I keep my grip and hope. What is that one thing? What is that one thing that, that, Je that Jeremiah is remembering and, and keeping his hope? The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. You know, you can build your life on that verse. I mean, you really can. I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. I can't tell you what's going to happen this afternoon. But if I can remember one thing, and I can build my life around that one thing, that the steadfast love of God is never going to, never going to end for me. Never. Because I'm His child. If I can remember that, what hope that gives me for tomorrow. That's what Jeremiah is saying. If I can remember that, even though the world has fallen down around me, the worst of the worst has happened, I can go forward. Because God loves me. You might even consider beginning every day with that verse. That's kind of a good one to start the morning with. You don't need to have a very big uh, uh, devotion guide for that one. One little verse, read it out of 20, uh, verse 22, 23, in Lamentations every morning. Same book, same story. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Yes, 
they are powerful. And as you read them, let, you, let them remind you of the faithfulness of God. You know, one of the, one of the hallmarks of that faithful, faithfulness means that, that God's never going to change. As James said, he's going to be the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Even when by any other standard we don't deserve to be loved, God's going to be there loving us. He's going to keep on keeping on. I've known, some, I've known people that, that were hard to love, but you have too. They'll love you one day and, you know, not the next, it seems. It's frustrating. That's how we treat each other, though, basically, as sinful human beings. Often our love is conditional. Our love is temporary. Our love is, is, you know, I'll love you until you disappoint me, or I'll love until you, it becomes inconvenient, or you do something goofy that maybe you didn't mean to do, or maybe you did mean to do it. I'll love you until it's not easy to love you. You know, we tend to love each other with limited, short-term, easily shakable, easily breakable love. That's why often it just really isn't love at all, is it? God's love is unshakable. God's love is unwavering. His love is not long-term. His love is, is permanent. No term at all. It's forever. It's forever. And his promise to the people of Judah proves it. If, if ever a people deserved not to be loved, it was this ungrateful bunch. God provided for them again and again and again. And, and I'm sure that's why we have that, that huge portion of Scripture of God's revelation to us, of, of who He is. That, that's why we have that huge portion of, of all the misgivings of, of Judah and the people of God, Israel, everybody going after this false God, doing these false things. Over and over and over. You'd think after a while they'd get the message. You'd think. But they didn't. But they didn't. And the truth is, their world is our world. We still don't have the message either too well. We get it in bits and pieces, fits and starts. So it really, really is great to go back and, and, and read these words of one who was there in those days who can give us hope in our day. God's love is unshakable. God's love is unwavering. Yes, God's love, as Jeremiah says, is steadfast. It never ends. I know that maybe some of you are here today thinking, well, God can't still love me. Well, He does. You know who you are. I know who I am. I know the things I do, and I'm not about to tell you. Mm -mm -mm. You know stuff. And basically, it's you and God, right? Because I've got a nice big wall around those things down here. But God knows. God knows everything. God knows everything in my heart, my brain, everything about me. And what Jeremiah is proclaiming, that he still, still loves me. 
His love knows no limits. It knows no end. He doesn't love me because I'm lovable, nor you. He doesn't love me because I do the right things or, you know, I'm always Johnny on the spot right there when needed. No. He doesn't love me because I'm good. The Bible says, God loved me while I was yet a sinner. Me, you, we, us. Romans 5.8 It's a beautiful passage. While we were yet sinners, God loved us. Christ died for us. God's love is the most solid thing in our life. The most solid thing. It's that one thing. It's that one thing we can count on. He could not love you more, and He will never love you less. That faithfulness of God's love also means that God's mercy will never come to an end, as Jeremiah says. His mercies never come to an end straight out. <clears throat> Just like people think they can exhaust the love of God. I can, I can be such a lousy person. I can do so many things over and over again, the same sins, the same mistakes, and yet God still loves me. Just as we think we can wear that out, and one day He'll wake up and say, nope, not going to love you anymore. That's what we fail to see in, in the destruction of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. It wasn't that God withdrew His love. It's that God was, was saying, enough of the foolishness. I love you too much for this. He was still loving even more. You know, when I became a, a Christian way back there, a young teen, I was involved in youth group, went to church, did all the right little things as young man should, and, and I'm very thankful for it. But Jesus wasn't real to me at all when I was at that age, when I first started trying to believe. I, I tried to find Him real, but He was more up here in the head than He was in the heart. And in my early 20s, I rededicated, if you'd say it that way, my life to Jesus. And He was real. He was real. But let me tell you, from that day to this, I have sinned. We talked about this some on Ash Wednesday. Oh, not all the same sins. <laughs> I've picked up a few new ones along the way. And I got rid of a couple along the way. I don't know whether the balance is the same or not, whether I'm more of a sinner than less. I certainly know more about it. But I'm still not where I want to be. And I know I'm still not where God wants me to be. But one thing I have learned, you can't outlast God's mercy. You just can't. It'll be there as long as you need it. And some people, you know, I'm sure say, well, wait a minute. If that's the case, then what's to prevent you from just going out and, and sinning, you know, on and on and on and just saying, well, God's going to forgive me anyhow. Why? I'm going to have a good time while I'm at it as if that's really a good time. I've never really liked that argument. And whenever that comes up, I, I kind of always need, felt like I needed to address it. To sort of say, wait a minute, think about, think about that. It's not like you're pulling the wool over God's eyes. You know, I could can, I can pull the wool over my mom and dad's eyes, you know. 
and I could do some of those crazy things. I can pull the wool over other people's eyes. You know, you can pull the wool over your boss's eyes or your teacher's eyes or whatever. But you're not tricking God. Think about it. We act as if we can behave and do things that God doesn't see. That's pretty patently foolish, isn't it? You know, God can't be taken advantage of. He knows what's in our heart. He knows what's in our head. He knows what we're thinking. He, know, he knows if we're just playing games. He knows how to make things real, too. Ask the people of Judah. It isn't about tricking God into forgiving us one more time so that we can go out and sin more and more. It's about knowing that when you struggle with your brokenness and your weakness, when you disappoint yourself one more time and you disappoint others one more time and you fall short of God's ideal for your life one more time, that His mercy right there, right there. In the book of Romans, Paul said that very famous passage in Romans 7, about not understanding his own actions. I do not do what I want, but the very thing I don't want to do, that's what I do. I have a desire to do right, he said, but the ability to, I don't have the ability to carry it out. So often, so often. Paul struggled. Paul struggled with sin. And if Paul struggled with sin in his life, then you and I certainly will too. So what is our hope? It's the same hope Paul had. The mercy of God. The never-ending mercy of God extended to us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Another truth about God's faithfulness, it never ends. Every day is a new beginning. New, as he said, every morning. Doesn't matter what happened yesterday because you can't do anything to change it. It's done. It can't hurt you anymore. It's already done its damage. If you messed up yesterday, then today you can say, well, that part of my life is over. It's in the past. It's gone. I'm going to do better today. I'm going to try to heal up a little bit. That's why I think it's such a great idea to maybe start this verse and in your, every day in your morning, just get up and praise God and thank God for this. This is the day, Lord, that you have made. And share a little bit out of how great God's love is. And I know about you, but I need to remind myself early as possible that I'm working with a clean slate with unlimited possibilities. Unlimited. I need to focus my mind right off the bat on God and not on sin. Too often we get up and the day kind of hits us, the things we got to do, the things we didn't do yesterday, the things that are pending now, the things people want us to do. And we can't do all that. And it just tears us apart. There's not a day that goes by that Satan doesn't whisper into our ear and tell us that we're not worthy. That he doesn't tell me that I'm not worthy to be a pastor. I mean, that's for somebody that's really good. 
you're not good. You're just bad or worse than those you're trying to help. And you know he's right. He's right in a big way. I'm not worthy. None of us are worthy in so many ways. I'm I'm in lots of ways maybe more of a sinner than most of you. You know, it just takes one. (laughs) Just takes one. It's not a contest. But God has sovereignly called and God has sovereignly equipped me to do what I do and you to do what you do for your Christian role, for the, for the task and the purpose that He has for us and for you. And, and right here's where He wants me to be. Where does He want you to be? God keeps on loving us, loving you, loving us. Getting us through, having mercy on us. Every day, clean slate, clean heart, clean start. You see, I'm his child. You are his child, hopefully. We as his children. And he is shaping us and redeeming us and molding us and making us. And he'll do it right on till the kingdom comes. In Christ, God has, has called you and He's called I, myself, into His glory. And we live in a world of sin. We live in a world of brokenness. And we suffer the consequences of that. And we participate too willingly in that. But out of that, He calls us to be loved and to love. He calls us to forgive and be forgiven. He calls us to obey and to serve. To walk in the light of His love not in the darkness of our world. Have you ever named the name of Jesus and received Him as your Lord and Savior? If you have, then you're His child. You're His child. It's that simple and that beautiful. Walk in that grace. Live in that grace. And don't let anything knock you off of that path. No matter what the world looks like around you. No matter what your personal life is going through. Don't let anything knock you off of that path. If if you're here and, and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then today is the day. Now is the time. I mean, it's there's no other time. Give your life to Him. Begin walking in His mercy, endless mercy, in His endless love, in His unbelievable grace. God will always love you. And nothing will ever change that. He will always forgive you. He will always pick you up when you fall. He will always give you another chance to get it right. And nothing will ever change that. Every day, God gives you a new day, a new life, a new chance to live in His grace and to be all that you and I are capable of being. That was Jeremiah's good news. That was Jeremiah's good news. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. 
They are new every morning.